All right, so I'm here with Sean Emery and Aaron Losey. You guys together, along with a whole mess of family, own Old City CrossFit. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Really appreciate this. So what I wanted to dive into today specifically with you guys is owning an affiliate with family. It, it cannot be easy to run a business along with multiple siblings and your parents are involved as well. So let's, let's get a couple things out of the way. Old City CrossFit, when did you guys open? We signed our declaration of into fitness in October of 2013. So, so about five, so, five and a half years. Yeah. So, I mean, any affiliate that's been around at, you know, at, they're becoming almost like restaurants, you know, what they say about restaurants, like most close within their first year, you guys have made it over that hump. You guys are in Washington, DC, which is one of the you know, biggest and best cities in the entire world. But there's also, I mean, how many CrossFit affiliates are in, the, in that area? There's probably about four or five in the city. And then, you know, in the greater area, you know, probably 10, 15. Do you guys know my friend Melanie Feldman? Not Melanie, Melody Feldman. CrossFit MPH. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very familiar with CrossFit MPH, but I don't, I don't think I know her. And are you familiar with Ted's Bulletin? That's my favorite restaurant yeah. in D.C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good milkshakes and burgers. And homemade Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They, met, they screwed up our order one time, so we got a free homemade Pop-Tart. I was not disappointed. I was like, screwed up every time. Yes, it was, <laughs> that was, you know, we did a road trip all around the country, and that was, to this day, my favorite stop that we went to for breakfast. So, you know, I have Sean and, and Aaron on here, and I know you mentioned your other sibling and parents are involved. But who found CrossFit first? Actually, <laughs> we found it on the exact same day, just totally randomly. Uh, you know, I'll let Aaron tell the story because um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so we, so I was living in D.C. Um, so I was in the Marine Corps and I was, I had just gotten out. Sean was still in the Navy. He was stationed out in San Diego. And, and he called me up one day and he's like, you're not, you're not going to believe this. Um, he's like, I did, I just did this workout. Uh, it was like in this garage and he starts like, even like he got, he didn't get much past garage and I go, is it CrossFit? And he's like, yes. How'd you know? And I was like, because I just went to my first CrossFit workout too. And, um, and so we quickly just started comparing notes and just talking about how much, how much we enjoyed it. Cause we were both, um, we both uh, were collegiate swimmers at the Naval Academy and we both went in into the military. So after, once you're in the military, you, you need to stay, you need to stay in shape, but we both struggled since we didn't have that structure from swimming. Cause we both swam competitively from the time we were eight or so, um, you know, all the way through college. And then all of a sudden you don't have like people telling you exactly what to do every single day to, to stay in shape. You have to figure it out on your own. And we both kind of struggled through the like, Oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't have a coach to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm going to go to the pool. Oh, just kidding. I'm gonna get sidetracked by the hot tub and I'm just going to sit in the hot tub for an hour or, you know, what, whatever. So we, um, yeah, so we ended up finding CrossFit like right about, about, about the same time. And we loved it. Uh, we both just immediately that that um, competitive, you know, every day is something different, and um, you're constantly learning new things, and you you never you never get bored doing it. So our two younger sisters were still were um, 
in high school, I think late high school at the time, maybe one was in college, but they both were swimmers too. So we encouraged them to take the summer off from swimming and only do CrossFit. And I mean, they were both just like, that's not possible. Cause in swimming, like you literally get two weeks off a year. And, um, but we convinced one of them to do it and it was a great mental break. And then she got a lot stronger and had a, an amazing season that, that, that fall. And then we, from there, we got our parents into it and our parents at the time, I think we're, you know, maybe late, late fifties, early sixties. And our dad had that mythical knee pain where doctors are like, don't squat, which is the most ridiculous thing anybody could ever say. And they, they were having him do the reclined bike at the gym and (laughs) within a month of crossfitting, his knee pain went away. And within a few months, he was overhead squatting. And then our mom, um, with, she didn't have like any of that, that type of pain, but, but within a few months, she was climbing a 15 foot rope. I mean, and now they're, they're, you know, a few years older, but they're in better shape than people half their age. So it's been amazing. That is an amazing story. And I love when people talk about, I had this pain and that pain until I started doing CrossFit. So that's really amazing to hear. But sounds like you kind of all fell into it in three different areas of the, you know, maybe the mid-Atlantic Northeast. You're all kind of in that area. What was the journey then from, cool, we found this amazing thing. People are swimming better. Dad's body's feeling better. Mom's climbing ropes. Let's open a box. Yeah, so um, so I I was actually out in California. I was stationed out in California, and so I was, um, you know, I was out there, and um, and the vibe. And I think it was like it was so it was two factors. One, it was like out in California where everyone's just like super chill and laid back, and then moving to the East Coast in Washington D.C. where no one is chill and laid back, um, and at the same time, you know the. CrossFit changed from, you know, that 2009 to kind of 2011 and 2012 time frame open and it got much more competitive and, you know, much more popular. And so I left this like tiny little home box, you know, CrossFit Coronado. It was my family, you know. Oh, you're at CrossFit Coronado. That's a yeah. big, uh, well-known box. Yeah, it's, it's legit. It, yeah, it's, it, it's awesome. And um, Clint and, uh, you know, the owners there are just absolutely awesome. And it was a family, you know, I literally felt like I was leaving my family. And so uh, I came out to the, to the East, to the East coast and, you know, like I joined some gyms and they were, they were fine gyms. They were great quality, great coaches, great everything. It just, you know, like, I don't know. I just felt like, like something was missing. I just felt there, like there wasn't that, like that community, that love that, like, I don't know, like the X factor, I guess you could say, I just felt like there was just something missing. And then uh, I was living in D.C. Aaron was living in D.C. Um, I took a job, got out of the Navy, took a job in a cubicle. Aaron got out of the Marine Corps and, you know, like worked in, you know, various government contracting type companies. And, you know, we were just kind of hanging out, just complaining about cubicle life. And, um, you know, I forget exactly how the idea came up, but we just started talking about, like, how cool it would be if we didn't have to work in a cubicle. And, you know. Actually, it was my, um, through all this, it was my, my husband who at the time was not crossfitting. He thought it was a cult. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Let's be fair. There's definitely some cultish things going on. Yeah. But he's since uh, seen the light and he loves crossfitting now. 
Um, but yeah, my, so my husband, um, he loves to study city maps. And so we were, um, we were living, um, he and I were living in, um, in Capitol Hill and, um, in the, the, the H Street, the Northeast, the H Street Northeast quarter. So the H Street um, area was the area of DC where, that had the riots in the 60s. So everything just was destroyed. And it wasn't until like maybe around 2009 or so that the very beginning of the revitalization began. So we were kind of living in that, in that general area. Um, Sean wasn't too far away, but he was technically in, in Northwest. And my husband was just looking at the map and because I was actually, um, I was going to Trident CrossFit in Alexandria, um, Chris oh, and Oh yeah, Chris and Andrea, yeah, good friends. Yeah, yeah I actually uh, joined them from, from the beginning because I actually started CrossFitting at uh, CrossFit Bowling on, a, on the Air Force Base nearby, and, but then I wanted to do something that was a little more, um, serious isn't the right word, a little more consistent, had a more consistent schedule. So they were opening, so I joined them. So my husband was like, it was like, looking around to see if there was any, any place closer, across the gym closer, but, but there wasn't. And actually in that H Street area of DC, there wasn't a gym period. Um, now there was something that was a little bit close um, in it, like in Southeast, but as far as like mileage wise, it wasn't far, but in DC, it's, it's, an, etern you know, it's an eternity away. And he was like, you and your brother should open a CrossFit gym around the H Street area in, in DC, there's, there's nothing. And I was like, that's a great idea. And I was like, Sean, we should open a CrossFit gym. He's like, all right. <laughs> now, well, first of all, my question when I hear DC, any famous politicians come into the box workout? Is, is uh, Obama hitting Fran in there? <laughs> no, I think the most, most well-known politician we had, um, I think it was Jeb Bush's son that came in once. Uh, like we, this was a long time ago when we would paper waivers and this guy like filled out the waiver and his name was like something Bush and, you know, looked kind of like, like yeah. a politician would look and, and our morning coach was like on Google trying to figure out who this guy was. I think, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Jeb Bush's son. Um, Very but we get, we got a bunch of staffers and, you know, some, some uh, high profile, higher profile people, but not like, you know. We're not getting uh, we're not getting Obama or Michelle or anybody in there. That's not where <laughs> she got her uh, famous arms at uh, yeah. at Old City CrossFit. So, yeah, no, I wish. Now, when you guys decide to do it, and it sounds like a family affair, did anybody come to you guys and say, like, "Look, don't mix business and family"? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the cliche. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like anytime that you have a business partnership, you're, you're mixing something with something, you know, like you're mixing, you're mixing business with your friendship. You're mixing business with interactions with another human. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think mixing business and family is the best possible mixture because I have zero doubt in my mind that Aaron is going to take advantage of me or screw me over whatever. Like we might have our share of disagreements or, you know, discord and like have to work through things but there's no doubt in my mind that it's all to move the business forward and it's not to like you know take advantage of or to screw me over like it's it's just hey we just don't see eye to eye on the business so let's figure out how we can see eye to eye on the business you know and I think it's double better because none of us want to ruin Christmas you know like <laughs> but like so I, I, I don't know I don't see I don't know. I don't see it as being any different. No, and that's really great to hear. I've owned three affiliates. One was by myself, 
the, the latter two were with partners and there were definitely ups and downs. And the second one that I owned, the partner and I don't really speak anymore because we just butted heads all the time. What, has there been any fights around owning the box and decisions at the box that <laughs> have left the box and gone to, you know, Thanksgiving dinner? No, I mean, our whole family's involved. So certainly, you know, certainly there's been a lot of stressful conversations and tough conversations and butting heads and differences. But, you know, like we, we deal with them, we move on. And yeah, you know, does it, does it cross over Thanksgiving? Yeah, we might have a board meeting like the week of Thanksgiving when we're all there. Uh, but, but no, I mean, it, I mean, at least from my perspective, Aaron's perspective might be, might be different, but what, well, let's, yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear Aaron. Do you agree with Sean? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, like, like you said, I, I mean, I don't think you can, as much as you want to try to compartmentalize it, you can never completely compartmentalize it and sure things, things are going to bleed over. But overall, I think that we've done a, a good job and as much as reasonably, um, as, as much as can be reasonably expected kind of compartmentalize things if you know if there's a business an issue with the business like so I had a I had a son last August and we um, we had just been through kind of just a tough time in in the business and Sean and I had really disagreed on things and and I were and like like it was just it was not it was not a, a real great time but Sean and his wife came to visit me in the hospital and we were just like <laughs> acting like nothing had happened you know so so that um yeah, now maybe is that the healthiest thing? Maybe not, but um, but it, it it seems it seems it seems to work work for us. And um, like Sean said, I think that there you know there are pluses and minuses of being in business with family or you know really just just with anybody. And I think ultimately being in business with family it makes it maybe a little bit harder to get divorced, so to speak. You know, to like get out of the business. So um, you know, I think you really are just in some ways I think you're a little more committed because it's harder to, to walk away and um, because it, because it does have a ripple effect into your familial relationship. Who is the fittest in the family? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we did our level one. Um, was it level one? Yeah, I think it was level one. We did our level one on the same weekend and it, it was back when the, I think they were, we did Fran. I don't know what they're, what they're doing now, but they had us do Fran on that first day. And Aaron went first and like, she was in the first heat. That's just kind of how it shook out. And, uh, and I was like, Oh man, like put up a pretty good time. You know, like none of us are like regional athletes. So like, you know, I forget what Aaron's time was, but you know, something like seven minutes, you know, which is respectable, but we're not talking like, like that two minute nonsense. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, Oh man, like now I got to beat that. <laughs> I remember like being super nervous thinking I couldn't beat it. And I, I, I knew, I, I know I was close. I don't know if I beat her or if I, if, if I didn't, but I knew that I would at least put up a good show, but I was really hoping that she would like, I don't know, like blow out her knee or not be able to finish the workout. <laughs> so I could like, <laughs> so I could phone it in. Now I, I will say as far as athletic ability, um, Sean has the natural talent, like growing up swimming. I mean, and, and just in general playing sports, Sean definitely has the raw talent now, as far as like dedication and longer term work ethic, I would say that, 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 that that's my, my strength. Bingo. So, um, 
I think that it's 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 kind of funny to see to see that that different dynamic because Sean could um, you know he probably hasn't touched a basketball in a couple of years, but he could probably you know go play a pickup game and and be, do pretty well. So he just has yeah. that born athletic um, ability. Yep. Now, with the box being in DC, such a metropolis, what are some of the challenges you face there versus? You know, I owned a box in upstate New York, Albany, Wallace City, nothing compared to D.C. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of face two sets of challenges. One, it's real expensive. Um, you know, rent is just super, super expensive. So getting used to the idea that, uh, like, when we first started, you know, I, I, I was coming from Coronado, you know, CrossFit in 2009, I think. I think I was paying like 125, 135 a month for membership. And, you know, I'm not sure what Aaron was paying, but when we were starting to look at like what we were going to charge, like I remember thinking like, no way is $215 going to work. Like that is ridiculous. That's so expensive. And Aaron is uh, much wiser with, uh, with money and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And she was like, that's what we have to charge. I was like, oh, okay. So for me, it was like getting over that hump and realizing that like you, you have to charge what, what it's worth and like what it costs. You can't, you can't undervalue yourself, you know, whatever. So I think that was a, that was a big challenge. And then the second challenge I think is just, just the volume, you know, you, you, you need, I mean, you need 150 to 200 people in your gym basically to break even, you know, um, and so that's, that's a tough, that's a tough uh, thing to manage, I guess. So what, what is the current rate at Old City CrossFit? Uh, 225. Yeah, so that's certainly on the higher end. But like you said, when you factor in where you are, rent there is probably double, if not triple, what most you know, smaller areas pay. So you have to charge more. And I'm sure the people that live in that area are used to paying more of a premium for living in the city. Now, what were some skill sets? Aaron, you said you're in the Marines. Sean, you're in the Navy. What are some of the skill sets you took from the military that carried over and best helped you prepare to own your own business? I think it's just the, um, I mean, for me anyway, it's the, the regiment of the military in that, you know, things are very, things are very structured and you have to be very disciplined. And cause if you're, if you're all over, if you're all over the map and, and, um, and maybe, maybe if that's the way, like Sean, Sean is like, I am definitely more like disciplined, I would say than Sean, like just naturally. Um, it's a, it's more of a learned skill for Sean. So if that's your personality type, like you need somebody who is going to instill that, that rigor and that discipline, because that's, what's going to get you through. Like it's all fun and exciting at first when you're developing the idea and you first open your doors, but then as you, as you move on, you, you need that, that rigor and that discipline. And then I think the other thing is the, the, the leadership. I mean, at 22 years old, we were both put in charge of people that we had to lead and we didn't know anything, like absolutely nothing. I mean, when you're like, I was a second lieutenant, he was an ensign. I mean, literally you don't, you don't know anything, but you have to, um, 
I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but there is a little bit, there is a little bit of that, but just admitting, you know, to your sailors and Marines, like what you don't know and learning that as the person in charge and as the leader, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know like where to go get them. And you have to be humble enough to ask people and, um, you, you know, you don't have to like set yourself up there as this, as this, you know, God or, or, or goddess and that you can, um, that, that, that you can lead by example and lead by using people's strengths. Do you think that's a mistake affiliate owners are making, not being willing to say, I don't know? I, I would, I would, I would, I would think so. Yeah. And I think, I think the other mistake that I see is that people treating it like a hobby, like, oh, hey, CrossFit's so fun. I want to do this. I want to do this um, as, as, as a business. And, but they don't, they say business, but they don't really, by, by their actions, they don't really mean business. They take something that's fun and just try to, they don't put the business structure around it. And cause it, it's, it's, dif it's difficult, it's difficult to do. And, um, so they, they run it more, more as, as a hobby. Sean, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, well, completely with the second part. Uh, my, my military experience was rebelling against the discipline that Aaron uh, took to heart. <laughs> so um, yeah, what I, what I took out from my military experience was, um, so I was a submariner and, uh, and there's a collateral duty on the submarine that they give to one of the officers um, called the morale, welfare, and recreation officer. And it's something that, you know, like super collateral duty, you're in charge of making sure that the, the, the boat has like the ball caps and, you know, maybe like make sure the treadmill works. Like it's, you know, a few, a few hours a month and that's kind of like the job. Um, but when I got in charge, I took over MWR. Like I, I was so involved in the morale and welfare of the, of the crew that uh that basically my captain was like he didn't even worry about like my primary job and just kind of let me let me run with it and so it really it really made me realize that as a leader your your primary responsibility is taking care of your of your crew of your team of your you know the people that that support the the mission your job is to kind of take care of them and make sure that they're uh in a position to thrive and, you know, in the military, there's a position where your job is morale. And then when we transfer over to the business, you know, I'm there, I'm coaching, you know, all the time. I'm like the primary coach in the gym. And my job is to do the same thing for the members. But then as we start to build a team, you know, bigger and bigger, and I'm coaching a little less and a little less, then it, 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 took, me a, it took me a few years to realize that now my focus needs to be on my team, like on, on my coaches. And I need to treat my coaches as if they're my crew and expect them to treat the members if, as if they're their crew. And, you know, I just, I just sort of see that, like, that concept of, you know, what your job is as a leader to, to take care and protect people so that they can do their job. Um, and that's kind, of, that's kind of what I took, took from it. How big is your coaching staff? So we have 10 coaches on our CrossFit side, um, but out of that, we have like four, maybe like six, we'll call it six, like super primary coaches, four pretty primary coaches, two like pretty significant, two to three pretty significant assistant coaches. And then we have some like weekend coaches who are big help, but um, you know, they're not, they're not quite as active as some of our daily coaches. So 
you know, Erin was saying she took her level two with Fern at CrossFit Rife, and I work on the level two staff as well. And we get a lot of people that come in and they're really bad coaches. And, you know, I, I, I talk to them and I'm like, hey, what do you expect? Like, you're not getting feedback. You're not getting developed. You took your level one three years ago and that was it. That was the last time you learned from anyone. What are you guys doing at Old City CrossFit to develop these coaches? Yeah, so this, this comes like, this is another thing that just basically comes straight out of my military experience. You go, you go through all this training, you know, you go through nuclear training, you go to through a really short submarine school, and then you're put on this submarine and the reactor looks nothing like what you studied in school. And then, you know, you have, you've, you have no idea how a submarine works, really. And so uh, you're given a qual book that's like this big and you have to go around and, you know, you have to go to the mechanic who's in charge of the um, mechanical systems of the submarine. And he basically interviews you and asks you questions. And if you demonstrate enough knowledge, then he signs your book, puts a date on it. And then you go on and have the same conversation with the electrical guys or maybe the dive control guys. And so you sort of work your way around and it, it's a mechanism that forces you to talk to all of the crew to demonstrate that you have knowledge, to demonstrate that you have, you know, operational capacity. And once you get everything, every, you know, once you get everything signed in your call card, then you go to the captain and the engineer and they give you a big comprehensive interview and they determine whether or not you're ready to, to qualify and stand watch. And so that's like a, you know, three, six month process. And basically I totally copied that exact same format for assistant coaching and for head coaching. And so our assistant coaches have the responsibility of needing to be able to teach movements and, you know, correct movements kind of on a one-on-one -on -one and kind of basic level. And then our head coaches, we just expect more of them to be able to teach and correct in a group environment. And also just to have like more knowledge around nutrition and mobility and stretching and range of motion, and, you know, like basically like the comprehensive um, suite of what you would expect a coach to do. And so, if when a coach comes in, they come in with their level one, and then we we put them on uh, their assistant coach call card, and then that call card is going to force them to just have conversations with every single one of our coaches and our staff. They're going to have to talk with me. They're going to have to talk with you know Katie or Jason, like people who are you know experts in this type of thing. Oh, go meet with Jen to talk about kettlebells, and it really the the primary thing that it does is facilitates conversation between coaches, and it gives the senior coach an avenue to like, without being a dick to like give feedback to the coach because there's, you know, supervised watch, like uh, you, you stand the watch as a head coach and then I'm going to give you feedback. And if there wasn't the mechanism of a qual card, then, uh, then that feedback is just going to be like, dude, why is this coach always picking on me? No, I like, I want you to get qualified. So here's how it works. And um, yeah, it's worked pretty good. And it's taken years to get, to get to where we're, we're happy with it. I mean, obviously it's always being tweaked, but I mean, this is probably version at least 5.0 um, because I, and I think that one of the great things is that um, CrossFit HQ is continually adding training and add, and adding other things, but there was, I mean, there, there wasn't even a level two when we, when, when we started and actually the, the L1 test had just been implemented. One of our coaches had to go back and take the test because she, you know, had taken the L1 before that, before there was a test. So it's been, I mean, it's been a long process to get to, to get to this point, but, but we, but we feel it's really important. 
um, not only for the coaches development, but also so athletes. So when our members come in, they feel like they're getting consistent coaching across, across the board. So it doesn't matter whether you come in at 5 a.m. or 7 p.m., while, okay, Jen and David might have different coaching styles, they're ultimately coaching, um, you know, the same mechanics and giving the same basic, basic um, cues and things like that. There's consistency in the coaching. No, I think that's very important. You know, I think boxes should allow coaches to have their own style and flavor, but at the end, the, the coaching and the teaching has to be consistent. So that way, you know, go, don't go to Sean's class and then Aaron's class and think this was two completely different events. Right. You know, there should be a lot of synergy there. Yep. What's one thing you think affiliate owners could be doing better? That's a good question. I uh, <laughs> spend so much time thinking about what we could be doing better. I don't think about other people. Well, then what's one thing? What is, <laughs> and it maybe be introspective. What is something... You know, Old City CrossFit's successful. You're running a family-operated business. You're charging over $200 a month. Things are looking good, but it's important to think, what can I also be doing better? Is there something you guys are working on currently to improve? I'll, I'll answer the question real quick on what generally I think um, boxes could do better. And th again, this is just something um, that... That, that I that I've seen and, and it's tough and it goes back to what I said earlier is that if you're going to open a box you need to run it as a business and you need to you need to understand at least or at least have somebody that you can reach out to or somebody in the business that understands like licensing laws um, uh, labor laws that taxes you know all of these HR laws because you because um, you can quickly get yourself in you know in, in into trouble um, whether it's, you know, through, you know, a, a disgruntled employee or even um, just not making, not meeting your, your revenue goals or you're not able to pay your rent. So I think it's, it's really, really important to understand that you have to, um, you have to run your box as, as a business. And on the, on the ownership side, I don't want to say that coaching isn't important because obviously it, it, it is, but it really, like, if you're going to be successful long-term, you need to understand, you need to understand the, the, the business, the business side, side of things. And actually like at first, I mean, this is terrible, but Sean and I used to joke that, um, that the, the best way to get out of shape is to own a CrossFit gym because you're so like, you're so engrossed in the business side of things that at least for us anyway, um, at first, like we weren't even working out. Yeah. So I have two chapters in the in the upcoming book, Best Hour of Their Day, dedicated to the two times I looked in the mirror and was like, I'm the fat, I'm the chubby affiliate owner. Yep. Right, and right. Story and it wasn't, I mean, obviously if we could go back and do it again, we you know, we'd have a lot we'd have a lot of lessons learned. Um, but at the but I will say I think though, at least we were focused on the dollars and cents of it, because I think people go like totally the other way and they are just focused on themselves working out and not on the business side of things. And I, I think a lot of the, I've seen that a lot of those gyms really, really struggle. Yeah. I, I mean, as recently as yesterday, I was talking with Chris, Chris Hinshaw for the podcast and, you know, he was faced with this dilemma of, do I keep my job and try to do this aerobic capacity thing or, or quit? And it wasn't until he quit that, you know, people think it's just a matter of, well, I need more time, but it's also, giving your brain the opportunity to think and grow and develop all that stuff. I think 
the best box owners out there are doing it full time and it's, it's a challenge, but you have to take risk once in a while. Um, before we wrap up, I always like to ask all the guests if there's a book that they recommend for the listeners. So Sean, do you have a, do you have a go-to book that you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, extreme ownership, dichotomy, dichotomy of leadership, Jocko Willink. Uh, that's like mandatory reading. Like if you want to work in our company, like, come to the interview having read those books. That's how we operate everything now. Extreme ownership. Yeah, I finished that earlier this year. It's a tough one. Yeah, love- and Dichotomy, Dichotomy of Leadership makes that book so much better. Is that, are they both by Jocko? Yep, yep. It's a follow-up one that just gives a little more nuance. And then what I tell people to do is listen to every Q&A that Jocko does on his podcast because it takes it to uh, an even deeper level. Yeah, Jocko's podcast is is dark sometimes and yeah. uh i can't always listen to them but it's q a's i enjoy because it's him answer, answering questions not just talking about being in the battles um and i liked yeah. his uh the field manual that was a little bit of easier yep. reading for me yeah yeah, yeah. discipline equals freedom yeah when, and i agree i mean i talk about that in the book as well where part of being a box owner is setting those rules for yourself whether it's go to bed at a certain time or get up at a certain time or yep. make sure to work out we that discipline is actually what gives us that freedom. What about you, Aaron? Uh, Traction by uh, Gino oh, yeah. uh, Wickman. Uh, this book was, I would say, life-changing for, for our business. Um, it, um, it, it, it explains how there's the, um, the visionary and the integrator. And Sean is basically 100% visionary, and I'm basically 100% integrator. And so it really clarified for us um, our roles in the business and how um, like one is not better than the other, but you need, you need both of them and all the really successful businesses or not all, but a lot have, have had both that are. Um, and, um, and then it also helped us um, get a handle on running the running of the day-to-day business. So if you're, if you're like us and you felt like the business was running you <laughs> and running you ragged and um, you're just at the end of your rope, this, this put a ton of sh- day-to-day, what kind of, and going back to what you guys were just talking about with the day-to-day structure, it, put, it puts day-to-day structure in place and helps you get people in the right seats, doing, doing the right job. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a turning point in our business. Yeah, both of those books have been recommended numerous times by the guests, and um, traction is on my list. Enough people have recommended it now. I'm like, okay, I just have to, I just have to go get it. Well, it's been great chatting with you two. Any anything I missed talking about Old City CrossFit or your family and relationship in the box ownership? Um, just to circle back to the last question, yes, before the books, um, the thing that I think that we're really aggressively working on. And actually, I think this is, this is for any business owner, especially family businesses, but literally like any business partnership, I think you really need to, you really need to define roles, define responsibilities, create processes, um, create job descriptions, like as much structure as you can build into the partnerships and into the, the, the roles that everybody's doing. I think you'll be much better served when you can look at a piece of paper and say like, you're not doing what you committed to do. Um, you know, and that's like what we're doing right now with our coaches. Like we're getting cleaning processes. We're getting, you know, just every, every single process defined. And it's probably something that, you know, Aaron wanted us to do four, four and a half years ago. And I was like, we don't need to do that. Come on, quit wasting our time. Um, but now I'm realizing the wisdom in, uh, 
and importance of that sort of stuff. That's what sisters are for. But um, <laughs> yeah, older, you mean older sisters? <laughs> you, you mean do all the stuff that's not fun? That's not why I opened a box, right? Yeah, seriously. So, but you're right. Those were some of the hardest things I had to do. But if you're looking to run a box, not just for the short term, but long term, you got to do all that stuff, all the nitty gritty. Yeah. Well, it's been really great talking to you. And now I have a second reason to get to DC other than um, Ted's Bolton. <laughs> Actually, my sister's moving there. So I will certainly be there. My sister oh, cool. and uh, parents are moving there, I think in the next couple of months. So now I know a box to recommend for them. And and I'll grab a breakfast burrito and pop tart at Ted's Bullets, and we'll get a good workout. And I'll beat you. I'll beat you in Fran. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. All right. Thank Have you. a great day. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder: Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel. In early 2020, be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. You've probably heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well, at Best Hour of Their Day. But I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Best Hour of Their Day.